Right. Amen. Let's open our Bibles to John. Gospel of John, chapter 6. Verses uh, 60 through 71 this morning. It says, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying, who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? And what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said... This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. That is the word of the Lord. Amen. So, as I typically do, I have a question for you as we start off. Um, and I think I know the answer to this question for everyone in here, but have you, ever, have you ever been offended by something someone said to you? I think the answer is, is yes, right, for all of us. At one point in our life, we have been offended by uh, what someone has said to us or by something someone has said to us. Um, the thing, though, is sometimes even when, sometimes we're offended because of the way someone says something. Sometimes we're offended because of what someone says something or what someone says to us. Uh, But sometimes, sometimes what that person says to us is completely true and we are still offended by it. Sometimes that person says something that is completely true and is given to us with complete grace and yet we find ourselves offended by it. So that, that brings us to this conclusion that the truth is, is sometimes offensive. It, 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 we have to acknowledge that, that it's offensive. So my prayer this morning is that I offend you this morning. I want to make sure everybody's awake. I, I want to offend you in a godly way. I want to offend you in the way that, in which what I am presenting truth to you. Not in an angry way, not in a bitter way. Uh, but in a way that only God can offend us, so the only way that, in, in a way that only the Spirit can offend us. Um, this is a case in point today with our passage. You see, Jesus had just spent a while talking on how he was the bread of life. Tremendous message, wonderful message about his deity and, and who, he, who he was as far as the Son of God and the Savior of the world. And 
in this message, uh, there was some, I, I should say, some offensive language. Not inappropriate offensive, but just completely true and uh, very explicit. And it was so offensive that those around him uh, rejected him. They rejected him. But then you see something else happening. Those around him, not only they didn't reject him, but they did the opposite. They received the message and received him. Um, that's what we do with something that is offensive, something that we disagree with. Um, sometimes we either reject it as falsehood and we are repulsed by it, or uh, we see it as truth and it takes a while for us to get over it, but we ended up um, you know, receiving it into our lives and, and, and doing something about it. And it's not uncommon for this to happen, and it's not uncommon for this to happen whenever a message is preached to God's people as well. This should all sound very familiar today, because when the word of truth is taught in truth, and that's, that's the key, right? Because, uh, you know, sometimes we're offended by the word of truth, but yet it's not given to us in truth. But when the preacher does his job as he ought to, as all preachers ought to, or when the teacher does their job, when the word of truth is taught in truth, people still respond in one or two ways. Either uh, those who belong to God, are, are they, they, they hear it, they may be offended by it, but they're, they receive it and then they're revived by it. And then there are those who belong to Satan and they, uh, they, they hear it, they're offended by it, uh, they reject it, and they're repulsed by it. See, the thing, though, is either way, there is a response and then there's also a consequence. And what I mean by consequence is that there, there are actions that follow that are spiritually significant. So there is a response and then the consequences. Now, I will admit it doesn't always happen that black and white because I think we can all remember a time when we, were, we, we did not belong to Satan. We, we belonged to Christ, and yet we heard a message that was offensive to us. We rejected it initially, but as time went on, the Holy Spirit softened our hearts to it. And we came to realize that, yeah, that is us. So it's not always black and white, but... I'm talking about eventually people will respond one way or uh, the other. And that brings us to what this sermon is about and what this passage is uh, really proclaiming to us. It's that God's word either softens our hearts by adding faith to us or it hardens our hearts by removing faith from us. One way or another, God's word is doing his work. And it's an amazing thing. Um, even today, as we listen to this message, uh, and, and I'd like to go even further, before I even started preaching this message, it, it started with me preparing this message and, and, and hearing, either receiving or rejecting uh, the truth that I received. So we all have that choice once we, once we hear the truth. Are we going to receive it or are we going to reject it? Is faith going to be added to us or is faith going to be removed? We have to understand this. The way in which people respond to God's word does not change its effectiveness. We, we might think that, and I remember a time when I used to think that. I used to think that if, if uh, I used to judge my sermons by the way people responded to them. 
and that was wrong of me. That's wrong of anybody. Because we do not know what the Holy Spirit is doing in people's lives. Some people, some people need to be offended. Some people need to be encouraged. God's word has a way to do that all in one message. God's spirit has a way to, 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 to do that with his word to us individually. So we must remember that it always, uh, God's word always does what God intends for it to do. Because God's word always accomplishes his will. I want to lay out my points, just basic, you know, the basic Baptist three-point sermon. That's what I'm going to do for you today. I know that's a little unusual for me because I, I'm kind of unorthodox in that matter, but I, I, I do want to lay it out that way because I think it's, it's just very simple. Um, and, and the points of our message are very simple. Uh, point number one is that when we look at this, at this story, we look at this passage, um, we must come to the realization that the word of God will offend the word, of, the word of God will offend you. Um, those who heard Jesus teaching took offense to what he said. And I want you to notice in our passage uh, that those who took offense were his own disciples. We're not talking about uh, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the scribes, the teachers of the law. Usually we've been hearing about that, you know, as we go along, Jesus is talking to them. Today in our passage, we see that his own followers were the ones who were uh, offended by his word. Now, when it talks about his disciples, that's the term in the general sense of the word. This is not referring to the 12 or just the 12. But I want to include the 12 in this. The 12 were offended as well. But this were all of the people who were following him. So Jesus had many followers by this time. And uh, he was speaking to them, um, not only to them, but to others. But they heard the message that Jesus spoke in John chapter 6 about him being the bread of life. And the result was that they were offended. And their response was that this was a hard saying. Who can listen to it? We see that in verse 60. When you look at the word hard saying or the phrase hard saying in, in the Greek, it actually uh, means it was a cruel or harsh message. So they're basically, they're, they're, they're complaining. Jesus just finished and they, um, the good thing about it is that they listen to him. Because sometimes you'll say some offensive things. As, as a preacher, and again, when I say offensive, I mean offensive in truth, and there is no response. That's when you have to kind of wake up the crowd and say, are you listening to me? But here, they, they are listening to Christ. They heard his message, and they found it harsh. They found it hard to listen to. And they said, who can listen to it? And in other words, uh, who can truly understand it to obey it? That was their concern. Their, their concern was, man, this is so harsh, I, I really don't understand it, and how can I obey it if I truly don't understand it? What Jesus taught them, it shook up their world. Because here he is, he's saying, I'm, I'm he, I'm the bread of life, I'm the Messiah you've been waiting for, I'm the promised one uh, from God. Their tradition, their, their, what they've been taught, their way of life, Everything was shaken up because Jesus said, all that, you need to put that aside. You need to listen to this. This is complete truth. Talk about someone invading your comfort zone. Because that's what usually happens whenever we're offended. We have this comfort zone. Um, and what I mean by comfort zone is that we, 
we like to think of our, ourselves a certain way, and we're comfortable with that. But when someone comes and introduces something contrary to that, it, it could cause offense. But what about when the word of God does that? Completely needed. It's needed. It's necessary. But their, their initial response was to consider what Jesus said as harsh and impossible to adhere to. But what was so hard about what Jesus said? Well, our passage gives us that information. First of all, Jesus said that he was the bread of life. He said that in verse 35. He also said that he was sent from the Father to provide eternal life to the world. He said that in verse 38. And then he also said that those who want to live and speaking spiritually, those who want eternal life must feed on his flesh and drink his blood. He said that in verse 56. I talked about last week how this was allegory. He was talking figuratively. He's basically saying if anybody wants eternal life, they must be connected to me. They must be rooted and established in me. But when they heard this, there are some things that were running through their mind. For instance, when they heard that Jesus was the bread of life and that he was the one sent from the Father, I can't help but imagine them thinking about Moses and saying, wait a second, Moses is the greatest prophet that we have. We need to listen to him. Moses is the one who gave us the law. That was one of their complaints. They were trying to test Jesus to see if he was as great as Moses. Of course, Jesus answered their question, but it, they weren't pleased with the answer. So to them, they saw Jesus and they heard him proclaim him being the son of God, but they had a hard time with it because it was hard for them to imagine that anyone was greater than their greatest prophet, Moses. Uh, another question came into mind, was Jesus truly the Messiah to come? Like, is, is, he, is he it? Because in their mind, their, their Messiah was... Uh, Six foot seven, and uh, he was of uh, pure muscle, and uh, he was a man's man, and he, he was going to be the one who, who led the army of Israel. He was going to be the one when he walked down, everybody else just parted ways. That's so they thought. That was their perception of the Messiah. But Jesus didn't want them to have faith in his physical abilities. The faith they needed was in him as a son of God. So even that, they were struggling with that. Is he truly the Messiah? And then they, they thought about the things that were uh, pretty natural. As far as like, if he's the Messiah, wait a second, he says he's sent by God, but yet we know his parents. How can he be sent by God or sent from God? We, we know his parents. Uh, we seen him grow up as a little kid. We, they just couldn't make the different connections. But Jesus said to them in verse 62, then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? Basically saying, then would you believe? So we get a sense of what they were offended, from, uh, offended of initially. They were offended because he had referred to himself as the bread of life, because he, was, he had referred to himself as the one sent from the Father. 
Jesus said, would it be so offensive if you actually saw me in my glory? Ascending to heaven, would you be offended then or would you be shocked and would you have awe? Would you believe? And secondly, Jesus said to them, whoever the Father gives to him will come to him. We see that in verse 37. That was something else that caused offense. They were offended because of that. He also said, no one can come to me unless the Father draws him. And then he also said that I, those who the Father draws to me, I will raise up on the last day. Verse 44. I can tell you right now, those verses right there still draw offense today from people. They say, how dare you tell me that the Father has to draw me to Christ in order for me to be saved. And I say, I didn't say it. John chapter 6 says it. I just preach it. See, but all the Israelites were God's people, right? So they thought. They're, they're angry because Jesus is telling them, no, you have, to be, you have to be brought in by the Father. Imagine hearing that and you're an Israelite. Wait a second. I'm, I'm part of God's family. I'm a child of God. I was born into it. Jesus says, no. No. You have to be drawn in by the Father. No one can come to me unless the Father draws him and I will raise him. They probably thought, how dare you insinuate that we could be excluded from our Father? Of course, they had the commandments, they had the prophets. But Jesus says this to them in verse 63. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. And then we see another thing that drove offense for them. This is the last thing that Jesus mentions. See, Jesus didn't leave anything for, up for debate in this conversation. He didn't say... Let's agree to disagree. Or he also didn't say, your opinion is your truth. Both things are very popular today. I, I, truth is, is, there is no real search for truth. Because people just want to have their own truths. I just want to believe this, leave me alone. I don't want to be offended. I don't want you to change my mind. I just want to believe this. Even though it's not true, it's true to me. Uh, those things do not hold water. Jesus said to them, in verses 63 to 64, he said, The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. I love that because that is truth spoken in grace. Truth spoken with grace. He says, I'm here to tell you what I've said to you is completely true. It's completely true, and yet some of you here you don't believe what I say. He gave them the word of God in full measure and then said, if you accept it or not, it's still truth. You see, when we hear the word of God, we are often offended because the word of truth is doing something special. The word of truth is shining a light on our dark and sinful heart. And that's what causes offense. 
We get offended because the word of truth reveals every falsehood in us. And there are a lot. And the funny thing is, is that whenever we are um, unbelievers and God changes our hearts, we, we get offended more then than we do as we grow in Christ. Because we come to realize, as we grow in Christ, we come to realize that we need the truth of God, God's word. The thing, though, about God's word is that it invades our comfort zones. It tears apart our traditions, and it destroys our self-proclaimed righteousness. And you know what? We need it to do that. We truly do. We need the word of God uh, to offend us, to take away those traditions that we hold so dear, to let us know that we are not as good as we think we are. That we are not a blessing to God. We need to know those things. We need to know that our, our, our theology, our, the world, doesn't revolve around us. Our theology should be God-centered, not man-centered. God does not respond to us. He is the creator. We are the creature. No, we need to know all of that, and, and that's what the word of truth does for us. It exposes our dark and sinful hearts it exposes the falsehood in us and helps us to know that we need to grow. That we need to improve. That we need Christ. See, but as we grow in Christ and as we yearn more for his spirit, uh, we begin to appreciate more and more the offense that his word brings to us. Because we know that it helps us. Psalm 139 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. That's Psalm 139, 23 to 24. There was a time when I looked at that psalm, and I'll say, I'll never pray that. Because I, I, I didn't get the, the, the weight of what that passage is really saying. Listen, God knows you're a sinner. You're not just, he's not going to find out because you're inviting him to search your heart. The weight of that passage is saying, Lord, I know that there is something wrong in me. Reveal it to me. Help me heal from this. Help me change. Help me to be more like Christ. You see, this is the mature Christian's perspective when it comes to be being exposed by the truth of his word. The mature Christian will welcome that offense because it purges out falsehood from our hearts. But for many, when they get offended by God's word, instead of purging out, rather their heart is hardened and the sin increases. For many, they long to have the light of his word shine away from them, not towards them. They long to have the, the light of his word shine away from them so that they can retreat into the darkness. Well, John, we've already heard this in John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verses 19 through 20 say this about those who like the darkness. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. Talking about Christ. The light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest 
his works should be exposed. You see, it's natural for us without Christ, without the regenerated heart, to shy away from the light, to be repulsed by it, to want to live in darkness. But let me tell you something, not us, not those who are new creatures, not those whom God has saved. Not us. We, we must not live in the darkness. We must not fear the light. We must not shy away from it. We must be enveloped by it. We as Christians, we must come to the light so that we can be humbled by it and we can be made holy by him. That's the importance of hearing God's word in truth and submitting to God's word and not just rejecting it because Whatever truth is discussed or whatever truth is is preached to us or taught to us disagrees with what we've always thought. Second thing is that, yes, God's word is offensive, but this is what we have to understand. The word of God will either bend you or it will break you. The word of God will either bend you or it will break you. See, the Bible tells us that because of the offense that they took to Jesus' message, Verse 66, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. And how sad is that verse? How sad. And we're not talking about one person. It's sad when one person, when you hear those words, that they turned back from the Lord. They turned back to their sin. They turned away from them. And they no longer walk with him. But we're talking about many disciples at this point. It's always sad to hear those words about somebody. Because you understand what has happened. They have left what is true and they turn back to what is false. The Bible talks about us before Christ that we were in the pit. In essence, they've returned to their pit. They returned to their grave. They've returned to the darkness that enslaved them and that had them in misery. They returned to that. That's why I say it's so sad. Sad, but it happens all the time. See, although we all get offended by the truth of God's word, there are two things that happen in response to it. Those who are his, they cling tighter to him because they know they need him. They know they need him more. He is their everything. Those who are not his, they let go. And that's how we know they're not his, because we know that Christ wasn't holding on to them. For those who cling to Christ even tighter, the word of God bends them. It bends them and it changes them for the good. For those who let go of Christ, the word of God breaks them and condemns them. The reason why I use those two words is because I'm reminded years and years ago, man, it feels like yesterday, but it was so many years ago, uh, 2002, I believe, Hurricane Claudette, 2004, somewhere around there. It feels like yesterday, but it's, uh, it's been uh, many, many years ago. That was the first hurricane that we decided to uh, stay in town for. That's the last one we'll ever decide to stay in town for. I'll just let you know. I'll answer that question right now for everybody if, if you're going to ask if we're going to have church when the hurricane's coming this way. 
But I, I remember staying in town. We had just moved to Victoria, living out in the country. We had a, a sister here, a dear sister here, who used to be a member. Uh, she had rented our, her house to, uh, to us, and that's where Alicia and I were living. No children, just us by ourselves. Um, and uh, it was an interesting time because my father-in-law and my mother-in-law, they decided to come to stay with us uh, during the storm. And I, I remember I, we ended up having to stay in town because where I was working, I had to... Uh, I was on the, the hurricane committee and had to stay there to do some things. So I, I got home just as the storm was coming in. In fact, if you ever, if, if you don't believe in prayer, try driving a four-cylinder Ford Ranger in the middle of a, of a hurricane. You'll believe in prayer then. I was going as fast as that car, that truck could go uh, against the wind, and, uh, and it, was, uh, it was something else. But the one thing I remember about looking outside the windows is the, the, the wind was such a force. It was, uh, it was hard to describe, but it was just so powerful, so angry, so uh, just so pure. You, you finally saw it for really what it was, how powerful it was, and that, and that wasn't even the most powerful storm, but you just saw the violent nature of the wind and how nothing was going to stand in its way. And I remember where we were living, there was a lot of trees just everywhere, a lot of oak trees, pecan trees, uh, ash trees, th different things, uh, different trees. And as you're looking outside, you're seeing these trees, and they're swaying back and forth when the storm starts. At, when the storm is at full peak, you start seeing these trees, and um, if they were young trees, if they were bendable, they would bend with the wind. And some of them were nearing touching the ground. Some of the trees' limbs were just breaking off and falling. I think about how we react to God's word, that, that picture comes into my mind. How powerful the word of God is. And how determined it is to do what God sent it to do. And how we sit there and we think we can challenge God. And we think that we can be offended and we can tell God what we think. If that is us, then we are the ones who are broken. We are the ones who have been condemned because we do not realize who's speaking to us. We do not realize that the Spirit is speaking truth into our lives and telling us to repent. So for us, we must realize that we either bend or we break. To bend is to kneel before God, to acknowledge that His Word is holy and true and that we're the ones who are flawed. And we need him to change us. That's what it means to bend as a Christian. We bend our knee, we bend our heart, we bend our mind, we bend everything about us to him. Because he is our king on the throne. Christians, let us pray that this will be us. That we bend to the word of God in submission. Knowing that it, through the Holy Spirit's work, that it produces eternal life in us. Third, last thing, the word of God will either save you or it will condemn you. See, after many left him or decided to leave him, in verse 66, we see that Jesus turns and looks at the 12 and says, do you want to go away as well? I love that, putting them right on the spot. As I said before, a lot, everybody was offended. 
even the 12, and that's why Jesus asked them this question. He saw, you know, everybody else responded the way they responded. This is too hard for us. Um, this is too harsh of a message. We can't understand it. We're, we're just going to leave. Jesus, notice Jesus doesn't chase after him, say, no, 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 come back. We need you. There's none of that. And there is no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say it that way. There was none of that either. He just turned to the others and said, are you going to leave as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. What a wonderful profession. This is... This is when Peter looks like a rock star. He gets in trouble a lot, but there are times when he's just like, wow, awesome, he nailed it. You see, here we see the effects of God's word. For many, it offended them, and it brought condemnation. They were repulsed by it, and they walked away from Christ. But for some... It offended them as well, but it brought conviction. And instead of being repulsed, they trusted and they continued their walk with him. Two different outcomes, but yet God was the driver of both. His words are truly the words of eternal life. My question to you this morning is, which will you be when the word of truth is spoken to you? If you're an unbeliever in here, if you have not come to the saving knowledge of Christ, the word of God is extremely offensive to you. Because it is telling you that you are an awful sinner in need of a savior. That there, outside of God, there is nothing good in you. And your destination is hell. And your future is is God's wrath. As I said, it is very offensive. Even if you try your best, at your best moment, you still fall severely short of what God requires from you. But he has provided a way for you that if you have faith in his son, you repent from your sins, you will be saved. See, the word of God is offensive, but yet it is good news. It would be horrible news if it was just offensive. But the good news is that Christ was good enough. And that you need to place your faith in him. Now for those who are Christians in here. I'm afraid that many Christians have only gotten used to hearing what they consider encouraging messages. They only want to hear about the promises that God has for them. They only want to hear about how great they are, how much God needs them, how wonderful God made them. Now, I'm not against those messages at all, because I think with the right context, with the right thought process, the right theology behind it, those things can be a blessing. But see, as 2 Timothy tells us that many have decided to 
go and listen to people just to tell them what they want to hear, to follow their itching ears. See, we need to make sure that we're sitting under the authority of the word. We need to make sure that our preachers and teachers are teaching the word as it should be taught. We need to bend to the word and realize that it is the word of God that is our guide. It is the word of God that that is our lighthouse. That is what helps us to grow and to be more like Christ. And we need to appreciate the fact that, that, yes, the word of God is offensive, but we need to be offended. So it's my prayer that all of us can hear that when we are exposed to it, that we cling tighter to Christ instead of letting him go. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word.